Listen, um, it's a beautiful day. It's an incredible time for us. And uh, we start a new series today. The funny thing about this particular series, it's not new, new, because we had shared in this series probably about uh, uh, four years ago. Uh, we did this particular series, but because of timing, uh, it, it just seems so appropriate to bring it back. And so we're going to be blessed with this particular series. And I think it's important. Last week we talked about, you know, ending the series of living above your fears. And we talked about how important it is for us to come to Jesus, to come to him. And a lot of people miss this because, again, we've confused the body of Christ for the building. So people would say, I'm going to church, which is a misnomer. You can't go to church. You are the church. But just like that particular statement, a lot of folks figured that if they came to church, they joined the church, they joined Jesus. And that's a whole, it can be a whole different aspect. So we're going to try to unpack that during this particular series, because I want to make sure that we know we need to come to Jesus. Does everybody get that? Come to Jesus. Sometimes we really confuse that with come to my denomination or come to this organization or come to this. And those things uh, can be confusing. And sometimes that particular organization or denomination can take the place of Jesus. I spoke to a group of men the other day and I told them they knew more about their denominational founder than they did about Jesus. They knew when their denominational founder was born, how long he did such and such and how hard it was for him to do such. They knew his whole story from beginning to end. But he's not their savior. Jesus is our savior and we are to come to him. So not saying that you should know something about your denominational founder. I'm just saying that should never replace or be a substitute for coming to Jesus. I hope this makes sense. And I hope that this particular series will be beneficial to you. So right now you have the opportunity, you know, to get your notebooks out some pencil or to call somebody and say, Hey, that guy is back on TV again this week, you know, and, and get them to listen as well. Are you ready to get started? I know I am. So let's dive right in. The name of this particular series is come to me, come to me. The first verse we're going to read from is going to be Matthew chapter 11. And uh, we're going to read it in the Amplified Translation. And just before I do that, we have, I have a system at home that has probably about, hmm, about 400 different Bible translations on it. So there's a bunch of translations. There always are these camps of people who say that translation is good, that one is bad. That's, listen, if I can... Speak the language that you need to hear to get you to Jesus. That's good for me. And, you know, I'm not going to get bound down in the theological argument. That this particular thing is that I'm not going to do that. If I can get you to Jesus, I am pretty sure Jesus is not confused by translations. <laughs> Jesus judges us by our hearts. Not by what you think you know up here, but by our hearts. So I'm sure he's not confused about what translation got you to his doorstep. He wouldn't say to you, hey, wait a minute, you're at my doorstep. You read such and such translation. I don't like that one. <laughs> Depart me and go off the hill. Again, we 
kind of substitute ourselves in a mix that we shouldn't. But I just wanted to share that. That was free. I'm not going to fight the translation battle with you. I know there's a bunch of you who are academically more powerful than I am, know much, much more than I do. But the one thing I do know, the one thing I do know, I know J-E-S-U-S. I know him. Praise the Lord. Let's read. Matthew chapter 11. First verse reads as this. It says, at that time, Jesus says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. I openly and joyfully acknowledge your great wisdom. That you have hidden these things, these spiritual truths from the who? The wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants, to new believers, to those seeking God's will and purpose. So here you have this dynamic of this, the spiritual truth not being revealed to the wise and the intelligent, but being revealed to infants, those who are young in the faith. Why would that happen? Because usually the wise and intelligent are usually terms that are self-derived. I think myself to be smarter than you. (laughs) So in the context of that is this competitive Christian mentality. I know more than you. So God is not going to waste time giving you something that's going to cause you to continue to stumble or to become more prideful because pride cometh before the fall. Now, I need you to get this. I'm not saying all wise people and all intelligent people are bad people. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that sometimes you have this pocket of people who think their intelligence is what brings them close to Christ. Now, these young in Christ, these new people, they don't know all of that stuff. They just know to come to Jesus. They just know to go and sit at his feet. They just know to go to Jesus without any of that other stuff. A lot of the wise, intelligent folks will go like the Pharisees. Isn't he from Nazareth? Don't we know his mother and father? Nothing good comes from Nazareth. This is what the so-called wise and intelligent came to the conclusion of. And they did everything they could to stop the infants or those young in the faith to come to Jesus because they had determined who he was in their minds. Are y'all still following me today? Are you sure? See, sometimes we can get really caught up in that and it's not a good thing. So hear me. Let's clear the deck to the road to the throne of God. Let's quit cluttering it full of stuff denominational stuff, all kind of stuff. We're just cluttering the road. And I'm sure Jesus, listen to me. (laughs) It says his peace surpasses our understanding. Just his peace surpasses our understanding. How in the world can we stand here and determine who Jesus is receiving or who he isn't based on what we say is the right way? Amen. Let me finish reading. It says, yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. Not some things, but all things. And no one, let me say that again, no 
one. And no one fully knows and accurately understands the son except the father. Now, listen to me. It says no one accurately. So we don't, our definition, our, our, our words that we use to describe God, to describe Jesus, are feeble attempts at us trying to describe something in our minds so we can paint the picture of him in the minds of others or even ourselves. We don't do it accurately. That's what the scripture is telling us. We really don't even know completely. You know, just a little bit that we know saves us. You confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is Lord. And you're saved. How long are you saved? Forever. Again, how simple is that? But that's the problem. It's simple. And the wise and intelligent are going, no, it can't be that simple. Because my academics tell me, well, you and your academics have fun. Your academics are not the road to salvation. Jesus is the door. He is the gate. Let me read on. Y'all having fun yet? I didn't. I'm on fire already. I am. <laughs> and no one fully knows and accurately understands the father except the son. So we have this incredible statement. Nobody really knows or accurately understands the son. And no one accurately or knows the, the father except the son. Why? Because Jesus is the son. He was there when the world was created. And anyone to whom the son, hear me, and anyone to whom the son deliberately wills to reveal him. The other verse said he thanked God for those spiritual truths that he didn't give to the wise and the intelligent. He gave it to the infants. He gave it to those that are new. So here's what I'm telling you today. Keep your heart young to God. Stay open to him. You know, I tell this story all the time. You'll get to heaven and you'll be surprised about who you see walking around in heaven. See, because based on our assumptions, based on our calculations, based on our mindsets, based on our denominational values, based on all of that information, we have determined who should be there and who isn't. We even do it now. Sometimes on Sundays, you'll hear preachers saying about who isn't going and all of those kinds of things. And I'm here to tell you today, you'll be surprised about who's walking around in heaven. And here's the second part. They'll be surprised when you walk around in heaven. There'll be people that are going, what in the world are they doing up here? Do you understand? Because God is greater than us. Jesus is greater than us. They know and can, can calculate better than we ever can. And they know what's really important and what isn't. We as men and women have cluttered the field with unimportant stuff. Therefore, put loads on the backs of people and prohibit them from being able to actually just accept Jesus. Now, I know this kind of ticks some folks, but hear me today. Where in the Bible did it say it's supposed to be hard to get to Christ? It says that the road to hell is wide and the road to Jesus is narrow. Didn't mean hard. Just mean that there's not a lot of people on that narrow road. Why? Sometimes it's because the church itself <laughs> has cluttered the field so badly, we don't even know where we're going. Let me read on. I'm going to get in trouble for this one. 
says, come to me. This is what Jesus said. Jesus says, what? Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, heavily burdened by religious rituals that provide no peace. So in many cases, we will substitute. Wow. We will substitute things that have no eternal value for the thing that is eternal. So instead of having this relationship, now I want you to understand when you accept Christ in Corinthians, it says you become a brand new creation. Thus all things are passed away. All things become new. That's what the scripture says. That means as we baptize you, we put you under the water. You are now buried. You are now dead. When we bring you back up, you are now resurrected, a brand new entity, a brand new child of God. Everything that was connected to you before the burial is now dead because dead means dead. If you don't believe me, go to the cemetery after the, after the showing today and argue with somebody in the graveyard. Call them a bunch of names, talk about them like I don't know what and see if anybody gets up to defend themselves. They're not going to because they're dead. Being resurrected a brand new person. So here you are brand new. So what happens to this brand new entity? That means everything in my past is now paid for. Who paid for it? Jesus. His blood has washed me. What? Clean. I can now move forward in freedom and in peace. Is this making sense to you? This is real simple biblical understanding. But listen to it. It says, come to me, all who are weary and heavily burdened by religious rituals that provide no peace. We keep trying to, if you pay your tithes, if you do this, and I'm not saying you're supposed to pay tithes, but listen to me. You're already saved. You pay tithes because you are saved. Don't put the (laughs) cart before the horse. It won't work out well for you. No more religious rituals. Stop. Just sit down and go, you know what, Lord, you made this so simple. You did. You made it simple. Man has made it complicated. I was at a place one time and they wanted me to verify that I had received the Holy Spirit by speaking in tongues. Now, I just need you to get this. And I know some folks listen to this and I'm going to mess with your theology a little bit. But they wanted me to be on this front pew doing what they call tarrying. As one person was speaking in tongues in this ear, one person speaking in tongues in this ear, and they're causing me to want to speak in tongues or they want me to, to verify that I have received the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is a spirit. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent, omnipotent, meaning that he is everywhere all the time. Did he hear my confession of faith? Yes, he did. And when he heard my confession of faith, guess who came to live in me because Jesus had ascended back into heaven and he said he was sending the comforter to come and be in us. So guess who came and moved into me once I made the confession of faith? 
Oh, pastor, it can't be that easy. It is that easy. Now, here's the kicker. The two people tarrying in my ear are waiting to hear me speak in tongues because it eases their mindset. It fixes their religious ritual. They are not witnesses of the the Holy Spirit in this case. Are y'all understanding me? But they're going to use the sound of my voice in their ears as verification that I've received the Holy Spirit. That's just wrong. I hope y'all are understanding me today. Why? God is greater than us. If he's omnipresent, can he hear everything? He said, not a leaf falls from a tree that he doesn't know about. Right? Then why don't we believe that? Okay. Come to me, all who are weary and heavily burdened by religious rituals that provide no peace. And I will give you what? Rest. Refreshing your souls with salvation. Your thinking, your emotions. He's going to give you rest. So you won't be caught up in, what do I have to do next? How, how do I get to God this way? How do I fix this? How do I go? He said, listen, I, you, me, we got this. We're together. Re- relax, rest. Man comes along and goes, no, you can't rest. Because <laughs> you got to do such and such and so and so. And if you don't do such and such and so and so, you're not going to go to heaven. Well, if me doing such and such and so and so is the gate to heaven, then what is Jesus? Is he not the gate? Because if he is, then we got this wrong. So why do I work? I work because I believe I worked because I have salvation. I do these things because I am saved. I don't do these things to get saved. And I definitely don't do them to stay saved because I didn't save myself in the first place. Okay, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Again, take the yoke and learn from who? From Jesus. Following me is my disciple. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest, renewal, blessed quietness for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear. And my burden is light. Listen to this little thing I got for you here. It says, his call is not come to my organization or come to a certain church or denomination. But rather, it is come to me. Am I saying today there's no value in denominational principles? No. What I'm saying is they should never take the place of your relationship with Christ. If I am a, quote, Baptist, I shouldn't feel closer to God than the Episcopalian. (laughs) I know some folks don't like this stuff, but I'm just trying to say, listen. He knows who he is. God knows his son. The son accurately knows the father and the son will know them both when he deliberately reveals to us who they are. But all this other stuff is just stuff that kind of gets in the way and blocks your view of coming to Jesus.
So hear me. When you come to Christ, he then lives in you through the Holy Spirit and then directs your activities. Your specific denomination will curtail, block, close down your activity. Because if your activity doesn't match their denominational view, you're in trouble. You ever heard that term? That term? If you don't do it, we're going to excommunicate you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> you were not present when I confessed with my heart and believed in my heart, with my mouth and believed in my heart. This relationship of coming to Jesus, you can't stop. So you're saying to me that you have the power to excommunicate me from that relationship. I'm telling you, you may be doing me a favor to excommunicate me from your denomination. Say, Pastor Ben, you're getting bold today. I'm just trying to tell ourselves we're doing, we've created some stuff, man, that we just need to clean up. We need to fix. Let's go to another verse. John chapter 6. Is this helpful so far? John chapter 6. We're going to begin to read at verse number 22. We're going to do this in the New International Version. It says, the next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there. These are the people who had got fed when Jesus fed the 5,000 with the fish and the bread. And that Jesus had not entered in with his disciples, but, they, but that they had gone away alone. So they seen the disciples leave, but they didn't see Jesus leave. Jesus was doing that walk on water thing again, but that's, you know. <laughs> then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils but for food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give you for on him. God, the father has placed his seal of approval. Jesus says, you're following me for the wrong reasons. Oh man. I sure hope you are hearing me today because we can be doing that right now. We could actually be following what we think is Jesus, but for the wrong reasons. We want to follow him for what we can get from him. Or following him from how it would make me look in the eyes of other people. I need us just to come to Jesus. See, I needed salvation. I don't know about you. I needed it. I needed forgiveness. I needed reconciliation. I needed it. My life was in shambles. I 
needed. I thank God that he provided that for me. So when I heard that that's what he offered, I came to Jesus. Now listen to me. I had a great preacher tell me a long time ago, and I'll share with you. He said, Ben, you're going to have to forget more stuff than you'll ever learn. What was he telling me? There was all this stuff that I had heard over the years that was the camouflage. It was the mess between me and Jesus. And I would have to forget all of that so I could actually see Jesus. So I'm going to say this with you for you right now. He told us we can come boldly into the throne room of God. Boldly. Why? Because once you accept him, all of the stuff that would keep you from him is gone. How does he now see you? How does Jesus see you when you accept him? He sees you clean because his blood has washed you clean. So you can come boldly to him. That's without all of the denominational stuff, man. I'm telling you, again, I'm not trying to raise a denominational battle or fight here. I'm just trying to say, come to Jesus. Come to him. Follow him for the right reasons. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? I don't want you to miss this particular question. <laughs> they, then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? God requires. What does God require? What does God want from us? What does God recognize as his acceptance? What, does, what activity does God recognize as you being genuine and you being in his presence? What does God require? What does he accept? Listen closely. It says, Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. How simple is that? I said, how simple is that? I've had interactions with a particular denominational view. Some people call it a cult. I don't, doesn't, probably is. I, but the bottom line is this. Their denominational view has a, they require a stronger allegiance to their denominational view than they do to Jesus. They have a stronger requirement for you to support their denominational view than they do for you to come to Jesus. And I hope you understanding me today. Make sure the work that God requires is what? For you to believe in his son whom he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Now, these are the people who just got fed. <laughs> these are the people who noticed that the boat left with the disciples. Jesus wasn't on the boat, but yet he was on the other shore when they got there. 
These are the same people who knew they had to catch a boat to get to the other shore and they found Jesus on the other shore. These are the same people that had seen Jesus heal the sick, cause the blind to see, restore the dead. These are the same people who've seen all of those signs. But hear me. It says, can you go back one verse? It says, so they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do as though what he's already done hasn't been enough. So my question to you is what he has done for you. Has it been enough? Or are you waiting for something more? How about if I just told you the simplicity of accepting Jesus as your Lord and savior. Therefore you have eternal life. What if I told you that in between now and the fulfillment of that particular concept, he teaches you how to live your life on a daily basis. How? By giving him your life. But we'll get to that. They said, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. But it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is, excuse me, is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They put importance on the manna. The manna was important during that time frame. For them to be able to eat. But they were looking to the physical manna as a replacement or a substitute for the true manna that was standing right in front of them. How many of us are doing that? That a relationship or things we're doing is almost a substitute. Listen to me. If you have perfect attendance at church or the thing we call church. If you have perfect attendance, you've never missed and you think... God loves you because you have perfect attendance here. That's manna. Not saying that you shouldn't come because you should come. But I'm just telling you, if you think that that's why God loves you, that's manna. See, I need you to work because... You have the relationship. Don't work for a relationship you already have. Almost there. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, here we go. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still (laughs) you do not believe. Why don't they believe? What are they missing? Their minds are full of their traditions. Their minds are full of their rituals. 
And in those traditions and rituals, they have more faith in those things than they do in the Christ that is standing in front of them. So I need to ask you again, what things are you doing that you think are so vitally important that it supports or gives structure to your relationship with Christ? When Jesus has said, if you come to me, I got you. You can build your life on me. You can build your life on this word. And you'll be fine when the storm comes. You'll still be standing. Is this making sense to anybody today? All those the father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Stop it, Pastor Ben. Did you just say that? No, I didn't say it. The Bible did. It said, and and all those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will drive away whenever they don't show up in church on, on a Sunday. I will drive away if they don't pay tithes exactly on the day I need them to pay tithes. I will drive away. Because they stumbled. I will drive. Does it say that? No. He said they would what? Whoever comes to me, I will never. How long is never? Yes, a long time. Drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I shall lose none. Of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. I got some other verses here, but I'm not going to go there today. I'm going to stop there. This particular series is vitally important. But you're going to have to pray during this series. Because you're going to have to figure out where your allegiances are. You know, some people affectionately refer to me as a Baptocostal. (laughs) A mix of a Baptist and a Pentecostal. These denominational views have got so much power, so much control that we have these camps that are split off because of these different denominational views. When Jesus came on the scene, there were Pharisees, there were Sadducees or Sadducees, there were Gnostics, there were all of these different views, there were all of these different mindsets, there were these Greek knowledgeable people. There were all of these folks on the scene when Jesus arrived on the scene. Jesus stood up in the synagogue one day and they handed him the scroll and he enrolled it and he read from Isaiah chapter 61. They didn't call it a chapter back then, but he read from Isaiah. And when he finished, he rolled the scroll back up and he handed it to the attendant and he sat down and it said, people were amazed They were amazed 
at what they had just heard. I'm here to tell you today, they had heard that before. Somebody else had read it before, but there was something different about Jesus. So something different had come into the world. He said, I have come from heaven to do my father's will. His father's will is that you and I, when we come to Jesus, we will never be separated from him. Does that mean you should try to get separated? No. Once you understand this, it says grace, which is unmerited favor, teaches you to say no to ungodliness. I need us to really take some time this week. Think about what it is that you have this total commitment to that might blur your vision of coming to Jesus. That it kind of rivals it. It kind of fights against that pure relationship with Christ. See, because once you come to Jesus, Jesus can send you anywhere. Once you come to Jesus, Jesus can send you to anybody. Once you come to Jesus, Jesus is not caught up with the camouflage on his eyes like we are. He sends you to those that need him. So that means you would go anywhere If you come to him, you become his ambassador. He sends you to anybody and everybody. Even to the people right now who talk crazy about God. I guess so. If they don't know him, how are they supposed to talk? It's our job to make him known. So don't be afraid. As a matter of fact, don't get caught up in the dumb stuff you hear. Get caught up in the wisdom that you heard today. Believe that God is exactly who he says he is. Come to him. And he removes all of those things that will keep you from being his representative in the earth. I love y'all. I know this may be a little hard for some of you, but that's okay. You got a whole week to digest. (laughs) (laughs) and think about what this series is going to do to us and for us as we move forward. In closing, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Right? Come to him. How do you come? Just as you are. Is he able to know? He knows everything. He's omnipresent. You come to him, he receives you. Father, we thank you for giving us this opportunity. We thank you for this day. We thank you for these incredible people. Um, I pray, Father, that we present this in a way that causes people to see you clearly and that they come to you. In Jesus' name, we pray and everyone said, amen. God bless you, brothers and sisters. Have a great day. We'll see you again next week.